trying to maintain coolness tonight in here. And I hear that's one way to do it by keeping the lights off. At least it feels cooler to me yeah. with the lights off. <laughs> so for those of you who are joining us online, you're just missing out on this wonderful temperature in here. It's only 95 right now. So it's kind of warm. I hope it's cool where you are. But we've started conversations about AC for this building. And so just be praying about uh, the wisdom of God and the favor of God because there are some opportunities that we have. And uh, so we could probably do it in the foreseeable future rather than later, like this year. So this would be wonderful before summer ends <laughs> or gets started, we should say. We've got lots to do this summer in here. And so we want to make it comfortable. We don't want to make it comfortable. Now, um, just an update on the Cassis. Uh, they will be with us, Gary Cassie will be with us uh, on July the 21st. It's a Wednesday, so mark your calendars for July the 21st. It's a Wednesday evening. He'll do that service for us. Uh, four weeks before that, we'll start our video series, uh, the beginning of that message. Uh, on Wednesday nights, so just be aware that we'll not be streaming those services, and we'll let you know up front uh, for those who typically join us online, and maybe we can do uh, something, put uh, play a replay of an older service for you, but the best thing would be for you to join us in person, and on those, we could do that. If we don't have AC by then, we can do that downstairs in the cool temperature. We'll kick the kids outside, go to the park, do something. <laughs> on that day and we can do those downstairs in the cool temperature. We can't stream from downstairs because the reliability of the network is not as good as up here. So we're just gonna just pivot and do what we know to do, amen? And whatever we do, we know God will bless it and you'll be blessed by it, hallelujah. Let's just go before the Lord tonight. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather we thank you that this is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are so glad in you. We are so grateful for the things that you are doing in our lives and we give you glory and honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now I have my notes here and I'm going to try not to get into Sunday's message <laughs> as we do today's message because they're all running in together. <laughs> so I was studying today, you know, finishing up for Sunday, and I'm like, oh, I'm just excited. I just want to do this tonight. We'll just talk about this tonight. Because it's just, whoo, I'm excited about it. But when I was doing this, you know, last week, I was like excited about this. So I had to go refresh myself <laughs> in what we're going to talk about tonight. Because the topic is not one that will get you up shouting, running around the church. You know what we've been, yeah, you know, it's too hot to do that today. But it's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a topic that gets you to do that, but it's necessary and needful. And I was blessed as I was studying it. So uh, we're going to continue our series, uh, Signs to Look For Just Before Jesus Comes. And again, we said these are the signs that Jesus himself said. And then others in the word of God, we saw Paul last week, confirmed it. Uh, 
and they, he, he said that we would see them more frequently and with greater intensity right before he comes, like just before he comes, greater intensity. Uh, and this is the period we call the end of the age. So once again, the foundation scriptures for this series are found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 to 14, and Mark 13, verse 5 to 13, and Luke chapter 21, verse 8 to 19. And so far, now I'll just tell you, we only have one more week on this and we're done. One more week. So we did spiritual deception, wars, rumors of wars and commotions, nations against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. We talked about famines. These are all just woohoo series. Uh, pestilences and diseases, including pandemics. We talked about earthquakes and fearful sights, great signs in the skies, persecutions, and last week we talked about false religions. And so we're talking about these signs again because we said that uh, Jesus talked about them, so we always follow his example. Whatever he talks about is a good thing to talk about. And also, uh, so we prepare. We're aware, we prepare, uh, and we're not in fear. <laughs> I wish I could say fair, because then it would rhyme. Uh, we're, we're aware, we prepare, and we don't get into fear. So we just move forward in faith. Amen? Someone in some country probably says fair, and so it would rhyme. So, um, so we don't react in fear, but we respond in faith. And so the things that we've talked about, like, uh, earthquakes, uh, famines, those kind of things. If you think about it, they, he said they would affect multitudes of people. But if you think about it, a lot of times when these types of events occur, they happen in one part of the country and another part of the population aren't affected. So we saw what happened during Katrina, and I would say that was a, a disaster, you know, uh, that was just horrific what happened. Um, but we were not directly affected by that. Our homes were not flooded and lost and we didn't have to move. Um, we felt it because anytime, you know, we have brothers and sisters of like precious faith in, in uh, Louisiana. And so we know that they were touched, many of them. And so, you know, we, uh, we feel for them, but it didn't directly affect us. And a lot of these things on this list may not affect us. This one that we're talking about today, there's potential for it to affect every single person on the planet, every home, every woman, every man, every child, every saint, every sinner. There is opportunity for this one to affect every single person. So this one is one that we really need to pay attention to. The others are too. And we talked about how not to fall prey to some of those things, didn't we? And basically it's to just stay steady and do what we know we're supposed to do. Well, this is no different. We know what we need to do here, uh, but we really need to pay attention to it. So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Oh, I have warm water. Uh, verse 12, it tasted like tea. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The sign we're talking about this evening is iniquity shall abound and the love of money, uh, many shall wax cold. And this can occur in any household on the planet. In Greek, iniquity describes lawlessness 
That's what it describes. So the literal translation, translation reads, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. The word, word lawlessness here is plural and the Greek text. So it means that Jesus was foretelling a time when lawlessness would escalate around the world. That's what he's talking about when he talks about iniquity, lawlessness. The word refers to the actions of an individual or group of people, a nation, or even an entire society or culture that has chosen to live apart from God's laws and principles. That's what the word lawlessness means. Although this group previously did, they previously followed biblical principles and laws in general. They've elected to forge their own ways of doing things that are not founded on God's word. Now, we kind of talked about that a little bit last week when we talked about false religions and how they're based on the truths that these people came up with that are not found in the word of God. We call that now your truth. Did you know you have a truth? And you have a truth. You came to your truth. Well, if your truth does not align with the truth, the word of God, then it's not the truth. <laughs> it's just a belief that you hold. It's not a truth. Now, it can become your truth, and you can align your life to it. But again, if it runs contrary to the word of God, you are going to have negative results. You'll get exactly what you believe for. And so we talked a bit about that. Uh, these people are lawless or living by their own newly evolving principles uh, that are not based or established on truth in the word of God. So if you look at Romans 1.28, Paul says, and even as they, and this is society, that, that word they, did not like to retain God in their knowledge. The word retain here means to hold or embrace. They chose not to hold or embrace the knowledge of God. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Hmm. Paul is referring here to a mass departure from God's principles. And the result of that. So they had some knowledge previously. They knew, you know, what God had said, that kind of thing. But decided to go in a different direction. Let me see here. Yeah. Society chose to let go and to lay aside the scriptures. I like how that's said. They kind of hmm, laid it aside. Just... Eh, it's not relevant, or he didn't really, we, that's what we talked about last week. Eh, it says this, but I just feel like, or I believe, that's dangerous. That is so dangerous. And so that's kind of what the whole society, that's what Jesus is talking about, just going in that direction. And so they rejected God on a wide scale, Paul's talking about. And we can read more about this in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, where it says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall come, except there come 
of falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now Paul here is talking about all through this verse of scripture. In the chapter before, he's talking about the coming of the Lord. And when he comes and catches us away. And he said, but right before that happens, you're going to see something else. There's going to be a falling away on a massive scale. Not just one or two people or, oh, okay, that family over there. or No, on a wide scale of falling away. This is a wide scale. And the falling away describes in Greek a mutiny against authority. And Paul was very clear that the authority that they were against was the word of God. So there's a falling away or a society revolting against the authority of God himself. Worldwide rebellion. That's what, that's what he was talking about. Against God. That's what Jesus was foretelling in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. That's what he was foretelling. We read in Romans 1.28, and we'll finish that. Because have you ever read that scripture, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, and they did those things which are convenient, and you're like, mm. <laughs> So let's just talk about that for a minute. So the literal translation of that, and this is going to, this is going to, this clarifies everything. Because you're like, oh, okay, so they did this, and God said, fine, I'm doing this to you. And like he did it to them. Well, the literal translation of this is, it makes it very clear in the Greek language. It says, God did not walk away from them or abandon them, as some people say. Oh, they did this, so God abandoned them. No, that would be against his word because he said he never leaves you or forsakes you. So that's not what he did. He didn't abandon them. But what he did do, it says he responded to their own desire and released them to follow their wayward instincts. He said, okay, I stand back. If that's what you want to do, you do it. You have a free choice. You do it. So he, he responded and said, okay, I release you. I'm not going to force you. I'm not forcing you. And so he released them. He responded to their own desires and released them to follow their wayward instincts. And that's how the literal, that's the original translation of this verse. And it makes it so much clearer because sometimes you think, oh, you better be careful. You hear people say it all the time. God's going to do this. He, you know, there's no coming back from what he does to you. But it's, it's, it's not. He, he's gracious. He's saying, go ahead. You know better. <laughs> go ahead. And he's, he's, he'd do everything he can to stop you right. from doing it. He'll put all kinds of people in your path with that message that you're against. <laughs> you know, and you'll keep hearing it every time you open Facebook. You see someone saying, this is da, da, da. that says the Lord. And you're like, oh, you know, how many times do I have to hear this? But he will try any way he can to get the message across to you. His desire is that none should perish. But there comes a time when you have to make your decision. And when you do, he says, okay, I, I'm not going to, you know, make you do anything. That's not the kind of God we serve. He's gracious, and he's given us a choice. A choice. A choice. We have a choice. 
reasons correctly. The influence of sin makes it unfit. Other words that describe reprobate is twisted and perverted. A damaged mind as a result of sin or a drifting away from God's authority. Imagine an entire society or culture with a damaged, twisted, or perverted mind. It doesn't take that much imagining in these days and times, does it? It doesn't. It does not take much imagining. Back in the day, yeah, now it's like even more prevalent, isn't it? Where, you know, the your truths <laughs> and, and those kind of things and, and think this way and, and do this and do that. And so it's so important that we pay attention to this time that we're in. Uh, you know that our beliefs drive our behaviors. So what follows a reprobate mind? Reprobate behaviors. And what is a reprobate mind? Twisted and perverted mind. Well, twisted and perverted behaviors. Because our beliefs drive our behaviors. And so that's, it, it, you know, the ability to discern what's morally right and wrong, just go out the window. Just go out the window. And that's why, again, it's so important uh, to anchor to the Word of God. That's why Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says, they did the things which are not convenient. Wayward instincts. The Greek says, they did things that were not morally right or fitting. Unfit mind. So this is what Jesus is describing in Matthew 24, verse 12. The Christian community is just as susceptible to this as the rest of the world. You know, some of the things we have Psalm 91. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm protected. But this is something where I have to make sure I'm not pointing my finger at, Patty, make sure you don't have a reprobate mind. No, <laughs> Maria Murphy, <laughs> you better make sure of yourself. You know, this is, this is where I have to know for myself and guard my heart and make sure I'm doing the right thing here. When we begin to make so many exceptions for sinful behavior, there's no more conviction of sin. Amen. That's where it starts. We make, some, we make some just exceptions, some small exceptions here and there. In, these, in the past, these behaviors would have grieved the individual. They'd be like, oh no, I would never in my life do that. But now, it no longer does. No longer does. Now, I'm gonna give myself <laughs> as an example of this little thing here. Because I was exactly in this place, and yes, I'll admit it, many sitting here will not. <laughs> Maybe you're watching and you won't. But that is my story. I grew up in a very good Christian home, wonderful Christian home. And so when it came time uh, for me to make my decisions, I did. And in doing so, I found what I call many loopholes. You know, <laughs> just little loopholes 
that were exceptions for me that, you know, I justified my behavior, why this is okay for me. Maybe not for you to do, but it's okay for me because dot, 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 fill in the blank. And so I may not have verbalized that to, to anyone, but my actions sure revealed that. And so I got to the place that the more I began to make exceptions for myself when it came to sin, the less conviction I felt when it came to those things. You know, you use the phrase, well, God knows my heart. <laughs> he knows my heart. And we have 1 John 1, 9. When I'm ready, I'll just come to him. You know, you know how we do it. <laughs> People are like, not me. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> 1 Timothy 4, 2 talks about a seared conscience. Ephesians 4, 19 also says, who being past feeling, another scripture that I've read over, no, 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 past feeling, past, what in the world, what kind of vernacular is that? Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness. We talked about lasciviousness last week. That's some of what I experienced, you know, past feeling like you don't feel it anymore. When I was young, I was, I don't know, seven, was I seven when we took eight, when I took guitar lessons? I was about eight years old, about when we took guitar lessons, you could see they, they really paid off. Uh, we didn't waste your money. Uh, so uh, they, we took lessons, and when I first started, it was like a big guitar. I was little, so they're like, oh, no, you have to play this. So they, like, handed me a ukulele, which to me was like a joke because I didn't know ukuleles would be huge now. <laughs> That's like a big thing if you play a ukulele. Well, I didn't want to because I'm like, a little person gets a little guitar. Thanks a lot. So I didn't like it. But even that, pressing the chords on the guitar to make notes and sounds that actually sound right takes a lot of work on your fingers. And when you first start, I had baby fingers. But the more you go to practice, I'm like, oh, what is this? I had never worked a day in my life at eight years old. You looked at his hands, he had all kinds of calluses. I had nothing. But the more I practiced and the more I played the guitar, the more the calluses developed and I became a better player. Because, oh, now I can hit the chord and he's not like pressing in more, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, and it's, it doesn't even sound right. It's a half a chord. But the more calloused my hands got, the easier it was to play. Well, the more calloused your heart gets, the easier it is to sin. No difference because you start making exceptions and start making excuses. I no longer felt conviction. Now, I felt conviction about other things, just not these things. <laughs> you know, I had my few. But I felt conviction about other things, and I would look at you if you partake or partook in those things. Like, what are you thinking, cocaine? Are you crazy? Oh yes, I've been at places like that where cocaine was served, yes pastor's daughter. Yeah, I'm like, are you crazy? Oh, no, but pass the marijuana, <laughs> right? Oh, because I was not convicted of that. I made exceptions. Well, it's a plant. Well, it's a all kinds of things. But the heavy stuff, oh, no, that's a sin. Don't you know where you're going to end up? Made exceptions. Made exceptions. Other things. You may have 
not done them. And, and for me, those things, like me to me, not going to church was a sin. <laughs> we were taught, you go to church every time the doors open. So I was in church, and I looked at you like, what is wrong? <gasps> you didn't go to church this week? You're sinning. <laughs> no. What was I doing outside of church is a different story. But my conscience was seared when it came to those other things, and it didn't bother me. I, it, I wouldn't even, I mean, it, yeah, fine, we're doing this. It didn't even faze me because I made exceptions for it. I made excuses as to why it was okay for me. For me, maybe not for you, but for me. So, it, but it didn't start right away. It was just little by little, just kind of, you know that Psalm chapter 1? <laughs> Blessed is the man who stands not. Then the next verse says, then he doesn't sit either. <laughs> then it goes on into Proverbs talking about laying down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's how it starts. First you're passing by looking at it. Then you start standing there just standing looking at it. And then they say, have a seat. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll have a seat. And before you know it, you're participating. Well, that's how the devil works. Very subtle, very deceptive. And so I, I went through that. I'll admit that. I went through that in my life. And I'm sure some of you can uh, relate to that. Some probably weren't saved, so you don't have that story. I was saved, so I have that story. Um, but again, you get to the point where you really justify the sin in your mind. And you can't tell someone who is in that position that they're wrong. Don't try to do it. You'll only frustrate yourself. Believe me, I had people try. <laughs> and and I, I wasn't ready to listen. I wasn't ready to listen. In fact, the more you told me, the more I did. Because I'm going to prove to you that there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it's frustrating to us. As Christians, when we see the world, when we see them participating and doing something that runs contrary, and we want to just put them on blast. But you know what? Most of the time, the best thing to do is be pray, pray for them and be led. You better be led if you're going to have a conversation like that. Now, thankfully, thankfully, my heart was still open to the Lord. And it wasn't hardened towards him. So there was still a door there because eventually it could lead to that. Eventually it could lead to you just completely walking away from the Lord. But thank God that that did not happen. And uh, so I still, you know, I'm living proof, living proof that there is hope and an answer for this dilemma. I am. I'm living proof. You know, now you're stuck with me as pastor. <laughs> Sure, you love all loved to hear that story, <laughs> but it's true though. You know, we all struggle with things, and we are not perfect. And so, uh, there's hope. <laughs> to me, I look at it as I'm a hope dealer. I didn't say dope dealer. I said I'm a hope dealer. <laughs> I'm a hope dealer because I've been there. I've walked that path, and I've come back. <laughs> I've come back with the fire for God that I just never had before. And so there's hope. So don't get yourself in that dangerous place uh, where you turn away from him 
Uh, and we have, of course, 1 John 1, 9. That's our first step. If we're in that position or we've been there and we're playing around, messing around with that, 1 John 1, 9 says that we should ask for forgiveness. And then we receive our cleansing. And then we let the Holy Spirit rise up on the inside of us and help us renew our mind to the truth once again. And that's what he's here for. He loves to do it. We just have to ask him. There is hope in God, but we have to submit our minds to the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. Like it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Once we commit to doing this, no matter how far we've gone, no matter how far we've gone, we've gone that sin-damaged mind can be made right, fit, and holy. Amen? doesn't matter how far we've gone. When we repent, we turn away from that. We can be made right, <laughs> renewed. Amen? So the word abound here in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12 is from a Greek word which means increase, flourish, and overflow. Immoral thinking, believing, and acting will affect nearly every facet of society. That's what God's saying here. That's what Jesus is saying. It will be a time of great moral confusion and that leads to widespread immoral behaviors. I'm reading this going, it will be <laughs> more than this. <laughs> in fact, in Matthew 24 verse 37 to 38, Jesus refers to this time that he's talking about as the time in the days of Noah. We remember that story oh so well, don't we? We know what was going on in Noah's day that caused a flood <laughs> to come and just wipe everything out. Except the faithful. <laughs> Glory to God. And so if you look around today, that's all we have to do is just look around and we see that what time we're in. We see it. And, and it's, it's unfortunately that's just going to increase even more and flourish even more. Jesus also said in Matthew 24, verse 12, that because this iniquity would increase and overflow, that the love of many, and notice that word many, like we talked about last week, multitudes, the, the love of multitudes shall wax cold. To wax cold <laughs> means to become cold-hearted and numbed. To be cold-hearted and numbed. That is one of the consequences of an increase of immoral thinking, believing, and acting. Again, the church is not exempt from this. Uh, this is one of the consequences of it. And within the church, there will be many that will lose sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Many churches have already pushed him out, you know, and, and not making space for him. And that we'll get into that on Sunday. But uh, they will lose sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's guidance. That's why it's so important to develop that relationship with him now and let him lead us now in this easy time that we're in, right? And even in like the harder times that we experience as individuals, just listen to him and let him guide us now. 
because we need to develop a sensitivity to him as this time approaches when right before Jesus comes, it's, he's going to have to, we're going to have to rely on him even more. And we're there, guys. I mean, we know <laughs> Jesus is coming. We used to say very soon. Now we can add a few more varies. Very, 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 very soon. <laughs> he really is. And so, um, again, what's the fix for this? What keeps us from allowing this to happen to us? How do we keep ourselves in check? And it's what we've said throughout this series. Be a student and a doer of the Word of God right now and remain sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't let the standards of the world become our standards. Don't let it. Don't let it rub off on you. That's what Romans chapter 12 says. It says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't let its ways rub off on you. And so uh, we must maintain our fire for Jesus, especially as lawlessness increases on the planet. And that's why these messages are important in church right now. It's so important. They're not, again, messages that make you get up and want to shout, but they're needful. And the church at large has moved away from teaching these kind of messages. Um, you know, and as pastors, we need to teach the word. And in 2 Timothy 4.2, it talks about um, threefold, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. A lot of churches right now, a lot of pastors are doing lots of exhorting. Lots of exhorting. And so that's great. We need exhortation in the church. It's wonderful. We've got to have exhortation. I don't want to be beat up every time I come to church. <laughs> I wouldn't come. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so if, especially if I know I'm doing right, I'd be like, excuse me, go speak to them out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but it's threefold to reprove and rebuke. We're going to talk about some on that on uh, Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about that. We're starting a new series on Sunday. So here's the thing, though. We're not called. I'm not talking about coming in here on, you know, in church and just condemning everybody on a weekly basis. As a pastor, I'm not called to condemn anybody. Right. And as a believer, you're not called to condemn anybody. In fact, Jesus didn't come. To condemn the world. It says it in John chapter 3, verse 17. I did not come to condemn the world, but he came to offer a way out, a way of escape, salvation through him, grace, hallelujah. And so, but we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, to reconcile men in their sins to God. Amen. Reconcile them back to God. Hallelujah. And so we do that, reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. It's threefold. It's not just about telling them how good they are all the time. And so we need that. I want God to pull me out of stupidity. <laughs> I want him to get me out of doing stupid things because the Lord knows we all do it, right? We do things, and before we uh, think, we say things. And I just... I have to ask the Lord for help with that because I get, <laughs> and I just will say things. And I'm like, I know that wasn't right. Forgive me, Father. 
for I have sinned. And help me in my stupid ways because that's, it's, that's not how I should act. And so he'll help you. He forgives you. He's not saying, no, if you do that one more time, that's it. I'm not forgiving you anymore. No, nope. you've reached your quota of stupidity for the month. So you better stop. No, he's gracious. If my heart is open to his forgiveness, he's going to forgive. <laughs> he's forgiven me. And so I don't have to be afraid to approach him and ask for forgiveness. I think a lot of times we think we've done so much that we just stay away. I'm not going to church this week because I'm guilty. And I figure if I let three weeks pass, they won't notice. Then I'll come, you know. No, just come. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? We all do stupid things. The pastor just admitted she does. So come on. We all do dumb things and, so, and wrong things. But we have forgiveness. Hallelujah. We have his forgiveness. So we don't condemn because we do just as bad as others do <laughs> at times. But we do speak the truth of the word of God in love. And we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us to be examples to others and to speak to them the, in the way that they need to hear it. God will tell us what to say. He'll tell us exactly what to say. And we work in partnership with him as ministers of reconciliation. So our position in all of this and our faith response to this particular sign that we're talking about, iniquity abounding, lawlessness abounding, and the love of multitudes waxing cold, uh, the, the, the position for this is that we reaffirm our commitment to being a student of the word of God and a doer of the word of God. Uh, we hold fast to our standard of living, which is aligned to the word of God and not to the world. I believe that's why God has given us that vision for this body. There's a lot in just that little sentence. We live aligned to the word of God. That's saying a lot. It's saying a whole lot. And so uh, then we repent if we've allowed ourselves to drift and become cold-hearted or callous towards God. And we renew our minds to the truth of his word once again. And then we also have a duty to pray for those who are on the path. Are you watching the people who are on the path to fall away? Do you see that? Are you seeing that? I know I'm seeing that. They're on that path. And you're like, Lord, just keep them. So we pray for them. We bring them up before the throne of grace. And finally, we look up and we rejoice because our redemption, Jesus, he draws nigh. Amen? Amen. He's coming very, 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 very soon. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so, again, not the most... Um, happy message in terms of jumping up. I mean, I'm excited about the return of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And I know we got to go through these things before he comes, but you know what I'm excited for? I'm excited because that falling away in the midst of that is the greatest harvest that will ever come on this planet. Glory to God. The greatest harvest, we're about to see it. Souls that we've been praying for, believing for, standing in faith for, just zipping our mouths about because we want them to come in and we want to say something so bad. 
but we're just, we put them in God's hands, and now we know they're coming in with this last great harvest. That's to come. That's soon to come. That's upon us. And so we can rejoice and we can shout about that. <laughs> we can shout about that because we know we've got to deal with these things and we've got to make sure that we are prepared. Our response is prepared. And I know that this church, we're prepared. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Bless the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm excited for what uh, God has planned for this body. Uh, you know, this is the year of the local church, and he's just given me uh, some words for our church that, uh, and a mandate, and that's why we're going to be doing the series that we're doing on Sundays, because he's given us a mandate that he desires for us to follow, and he desires, and if we'll follow it, oh, the glorious things we're going to see. He, that's what he has in store for us, and so I'm thankful to him. I'm thankful to him. All right, let's get ready to give tonight. Glory to God. Bless the name of Jesus. You know, we give in this church because we want to. We get to give. Hallelujah. We don't have to give, but we get to give. And the word of God is clear when it comes to giving and receiving and the partnership that we have with the Father. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. It sure is a partnership. Hallelujah. So get ready. Um, I'm going to tell you now, prepare. I know we mentioned it a while ago. It seems like a while we prepared for the financial revolution here. Uh, but prepare uh, your uh, bills, <laughs> the things we love to look at, huh? <laughs> get your bills out. Go through them, husbands and wives. If you, you know, maybe the wives does the money in the family, maybe get them up to speed, your husband. <laughs> Here's where we're at. Put it all out on the table. Here's all our bills. Here's what we owe, including mortgage. Put it all out on the table. And what will happen is on the 21st, he'll come and do that rev uh, revolution, that teaching with us. And then that following Monday through Thursday, he'll be meeting with the families of the church, not Pastor Gary, but Steve, will be meeting with the families of the church to come up with the plan for every person to get out of debt. And so we're believing God that we are going to be that three-year people. <laughs> so we're believing that we're going to see it quickly. Amen. And can you imagine what you can do when you're debt-free? I hope you say yes, because if you can see it, you'll have it. Anything you want, and I say anything God wants. Amen? We can do anything God wants. Hallelujah. And what he wants, we want. That's our desire. He gives us the desires of our hearts. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so we thank God uh, for the opportunity for that. So get your stuff together. Those of you watching online, maybe you don't come to this church, but you're like, oh, ooh, I want in. I want debt freedom. <laughs> you can be a part of it too. Just reach out to us. We'll tell you how. We'll get you connected. You can be a part of it too. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So uh, did we serve the people? I'm sorry. I think I might have missed. Oh, there we go, Mr. Donnie. Thank you. If you need an envelope tonight, you can raise your hand and Mr. Donnie will serve you. And online, if you're watching with us, our number has changed. So you can text the letters FHFC for Father's House Family Church to the toll-free number 833-275-6781. You'll get a link to use our PushPay app. If you've already used the PushPay app once, you can feel free to use that again or you could go to our website 
and you can uh, give there as well. Hallelujah. We're grateful and thankful to God for his favor, his blessings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to give. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to us. When we give, Father, we're seeing the results of that giving. We're seeing lives changed, Father God. When you tell us to do something financially, we change that person's life and we strengthen them financially. We thank you for the ability to do that. We thank you that we can support the mission, the work in Cape Verde. We can support that faithfully, Father God, because uh, we give. We have givers in this body. We thank you, Father, that anything that you tell us to do will be able to do it, Father God, because we give without any hindrance in the name of Jesus. And we declare that this church is blessed and every family connected to this church is blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. You can serve the people. And we give so cheerfully. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, uh, Friday night. Will you be here Friday night? Prayer? Okay. You'll probably be praying downstairs if it's not. Well, it should be cooler on Friday, actually. Yeah, it's going to be cooler on Friday, so you should be good. Friday night, 7 p.m. And then uh, Sunday, we'll be here together again. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be praying. Thursday, we'll be praying together at 9 a.m. And uh, we look forward to joining with you at that time. And then uh, also Friday. Friday is our morning praise. That is when we sing some songs and we do uh, those things. Encounter Team, Saturday, 11.30. Encounter Team, that's our evangelism team, right here, 11.30, uh, prayer, and then going out. And they've got some great things this week. So one of the team members put together some wonderful things. Uh, for the team so you'll be organized and ready to go. I'm excited for the results of the encounter team. Amen? Amen. I'm excited and we're going to receive the people in this town with open arms. Amen? Open arms. Make sure your heart is open to receiving people. I've been in churches where they're like, oh no, I don't want to grow. I like the people in this church. I may not like who comes. <laughs> We've got to get that attitude out because <laughs> we won't grow with that attitude, right? I'm comfortable with these people, though. Well, you better ask God to make you comfortable with people who come. Amen? Because they're coming and we're growing and we're growing fast. Amen? Yes. And so people who are watching us online, we love you and we are comfortable with you. So come and be a part of an in-person service.